Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express as our investigators are continuing their adventures and possibly misadventures in Milan. And so we are going to get through introductions in just a moment, but before we do, uh, I would like to say a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who have supported us over the year. This uh, year one has now, at this point of the recording, has drawn to a close, and uh, we are hugely thankful for your support. And we know a ton of you have come on board to join us uh, because of the Orient Express show, uh, and we thank you very much for it. So now I would like to start with introductions to my right. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser. And it looks like the scalpel and the fist are back in action. Indeed it does. I'm sure our listeners are very hopeful for um, some hijinks from the two of you. Uh, To Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm gallivanting around Milan doing coke and rescuing books from fascists, as one does. Absolutely, as one does. Uh, at the end of the table. Hi, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I am thankful I'm back with uh, Mr. James Robert Fraser for the simple fact I apparently can't succeed in almost anything without his bonus dice. Well, I mean, he is a top-tier personal assistant, right? There's a reason why Lady Elizabeth keeps him around. And uh, last, most certainly not least. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, who you may know better by her stage name, The Thigh Master. All right, then. Well, we will wait on her thighs for just a moment. We are in the missing Professor Courtney formation, um, although I'm certain keen listeners will know that He's probably just playing with his bits. Uh, So we'll raise the curtain tonight on Milan, on a pleasant and relatively reasonably temperature city. Although, if there's something that you've caught on with, uh, Simon, at least from having walked around the city for a little bit, this place feels just like somebody took a moldy old blanket and threw it over things. There's, there's something about the city that just doesn't feel right. There's no, there's no energy here. The people here, when they have conversations, they're drab. You don't, you expected Italy to be filled with a, the boisterous, fun-loving energetic Italians that you have run into in the past. And everyone here seems to be going through the motions. There's no heart in anything that they say. It's like the listlessness of the soldiers towards the end of the war. Absolutely. It's the easiest thing. Actually, the both of you probably correlate that too. It feels like walking through a 
not a graveyard, that's a bit hyperbolic, but it feels like just the guts have been ripped out of this place and they have not returned. Now, some of you may correlate that with Mussolini's rise to power. Some of you may correlate it with with other other ideas, but there's a, a definite and palpable sense that the city of Milan is not the place it once was. It uh, feels like there's no hope here, Mister Mister Griffith. All the spirits been knocked out of the people. Drained. I ah, drained. Yes, yes. That's that's the very word. Let's see now. Where is it we're headed to? Well, I, I'm thinking that this is definitely uh, impetus for us to find Miss Cavallero, as wouldn't her performance give back some joy to these people? It would, aye. It would indeed. It would. Uh, perhaps that's uh, what... Well, I assume it's these fascists that have taken our bearing in mind the previous events and... Uh, the kind of stranglehold they have on the people here. Um, it, uh, perhaps it's all part of their plan to, to knock the stuffing out of folks so that they can oppress them further. Well, it's a good thing you and I like the stuffing out of folks, Jim. <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but, uh, well, when you're in a sticky situation, uh, you must take appropriate action. We're going to need a guide and... Maybe the professor at some point. Did I tell you my idea? Remind me, if you would. Well, the professor uses his his device to look into the past, correct? I have absolutely no idea how he uses it, but uh, it would certainly seem something of that, like... Well, he's told us that. I mean, and given us information, correct? I, I would say so, I... And I mean, I don't know how true or not it is, but I'd say it would be uh, a very interesting test to see if he could look back and see who was on the platform with Miss Cavallero at the train when she arrived. Does he uh, have that level of uh, finesse with the with the contraption? I, I don't know. We could try. I mean, it, if this doesn't work out, I'm just saying this is definitely a possibility we can explore. Aye, we could, I suppose, uh, at a pinch. But uh, let's start with, uh, well, let's start with seeing if we can speak to somebody who was actually there uh, and uh, see if their memory subs better than uh, uh, the professor's uh, peculiar device and it's whatever it is it does. I'd rather use that as a as an option of last resort if uh, if, if it's all the same to you. Michael, as we're walking towards this place, the two of us are talking, is anybody paying attention to us? Mm, I mean, not readily that you see. There are people, obviously, on the street here. Milan is a somewhat populous city, even after the war. But you don't see anyone paying you direct uh, or exacting attentions. Are we being trailed? I mean, you can roll spot hidden if you like. That would be a no, and I don't want to spend luck at this time, since I have a feeling we're going to need it later. That was a 61, so it's not a fumble. Okay, good. I don't want to ever spend luck, ever. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine why. Uh, So, yeah, you uh, take a look around, uh, subtly, and as you do, you 
you see the the people of Milan who can't even be bothered to engage in truly dignifying or or <laughs> meaningful conversation. They have no time to spend watching a couple of you know outsiders wander around their town. So you guys had had planned on heading to um, her apartment, um, but Simon had mentioned just now getting an idea of who might have been there. And so there had been talk previously about possibly going to the train station. So are you going to change course or are you going to continue to our apartment? Well, I think um, we'd, uh, we'd reached the conclusion that um, her entourage were with her um, when the train arrived and they, they all disembarked from the train together. So presumably one of them will have seen what happened. Uh, and I think probably it's, it might be easier to start there um, and, and ask them, what they know, what they saw, if anything. And, and if not, we'll follow the trail onto somewhere else, possibly to the station. Assuming that the, that the apartment is closer to where we are than the station is. And also see if we can find a helpful member of the entourage who could translate for us since our Italian is weak. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, in heading to her apartment, her apartment's probably no more than, say, five or six blocks from where you are. Uh, so coming up from La Scala, you'd head back towards the arena in Milan. And before you get there, uh, her apartment is near a corner, which um, well, actually is fairly close to around about the center of town. She has a, a nice apartment, at least from visually speaking. You can see that the, the building here is fairly well upkept. She has a nice view of the street. She's actually right on an intersection. Uh, and then there is also a balcony there. Looks like this is the place. Would you like to do the honours, Mr. Griffith? Of course, sir, but uh, you may speak better with him. I will go ahead and knock. I'll go ahead and knock on the door. You knock on the door. Several moments pass, and you hear a voice from inside say, Yes? Evening. Is it speaking in English? You're not you're not certain, Mr. Fraser. It sounded like they said yes, but you're not certain. Evening, uh we're friends of Miss Cavallero. And uh we're wondering if we could talk to someone, please. The door opens just slightly. There's a woman probably in her late twenties. You can tell very visibly and very quickly that she has been crying, likely for some time. Uh, her eyes are swollen and puffy. And when she looks out, she just shakes her head. No, she just makes a quick motion and keeps her eyes towards the steps and the street. Do we by any chance recognize this young woman from the train um, when we were at the, uh, uh, at the evening soiree? No, sir. No, she's very visibly to you, James. She's wearing the clothes of what is most likely a servant um buongiorno parliamo inglese no 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 I'm a little lost uh, we need um, mamzelle cavallero she, she brightens up again we, we, she seems to study the both of you. 
And she says in French, do you speak French? Ah, uh, oui, un petit peu. Hmm. She doesn't open the door fully, but she comes out a little bit more and she begins speaking very rapidly in French. Oh, uh, plus lentement, <laughs> s'il vous plaît. <laughs> um, I, I, my French is not that good. <laughs> uh, so she slows down a bit and in French she asks you if you have seen her. Have you seen her? No, we are speaking uh, halting French to her. We are uh, friends of um, uh, Signorina Cavallero um, and uh, we are uh, concerned for her safety. Um, we would like to speak, if we may, to members of her party uh, that were on the train with her. Uh, is there anyone here? So when, when you say that you have not seen her, you can see her physically deflate. Like someone has crushed her. Fear not, fear, fear not. We we um we will assist in in securing her safety. Uh, we are we are here making inquiries. So she puts her hand on the door, and begins to repeat the word no, and and she begins to close the door. Wait, 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 wait. Her 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 party, her friends. Is there anyone here we can speak to? Her traveling companions. She looks back up at you and. She whispers almost in uh, just the slightest of rattle. And she says in French, they never came home. None of them? Are, are, you, are you afraid of the black shots? Maybe we should head inside. She begins, she begins looking around very rapidly on the may, street. May, may we come in? All right, Mr. Fraser, make me a persuade roll. Absolutely. Persuade. Actually, persuade or charm, sir, your choice. Yeah. Charm, charm is my, my charm. My uh, Yes, my skills in charming are slightly better than my skills in persuade. Too bad the professor wasn't here. He could rock up a good persuade roll. Yes, but what would he have persuaded her to do is the question. Well, <laughs> and that is the question. Okay, so here we go. Yeah. Well, that is a zero six. That is a fantastic. Um, she, when you ask about in, in getting off the streets or inquiring more inside, she gets a little. Um, she reaches like reaches out the door for your hand. Oh, oh my! And um, she pulls you inside. She's quite strong. She opens the door just enough for the two of you to come in, and then shuts it. Ah, yes, well. Um, Simon, give me a spot hidden roll. That's a 79. That won't work unless I get a bonus die from Fraser. Hmm, you do not. He's not hanging out, handing out any magical bonus dice at the moment. But you could push if you'd like. Or, um, you know, there is that luck to spend. <laughs> I, I will try pushing as I'm stepping in and she's closing the door. I'm taking my hat off and I'm actively peering outside. So if anybody's looking at us, mm -hmm. they will detect that I'm trying to see them. I'm not hiding it. There's nothing surreptitious about this. So I will be spotted. All right. Fair enough. Little risk there. I like that. Uh, that is a no. 78. So... You look back for just a moment as uh, Mr. Fraser goes inside. When you look back, you pause because you see four or five 
men in black shirts and uniforms come around one corner, one part of this crossroads as here was intersection that's here. As you do, you stop just a moment just to focus on them. And when you do, a very heavy wooden door collides with your face as the door is shut promptly in your face. And I will deal you a D3 damage, which is two. You feel the impact of the door and the break that happens in your nose thereafter. And you are now coughing and spitting blood as these four or five gentlemen continue their walk around the corner and very easily notice you with a busted nose. All right, so I'm outside and Fraser's inside. Correct. All right. Oh, dear. Did, did I break your nose by closing the door, Mr. Griffith? I'm terribly sorry. I am going to take out a handkerchief and tilt my head back and hold it to stop the bleeding. Yeah. Hey, you do so. Uh, the men in the black shirts walk past. They look you over and a couple of them mumble something in Italian. One of them laughs and lights a cigarette and they keep walking on down the street. Mr. Fraser, this woman who's pulled you inside the house stops right inside this door, this door foyer area here. It's a pretty nice apartment that Katerina has here. It's well appointed of someone of her station, uh, but it's not ostentatious by any means, right? So there's nothing overblown here. It's just, it has, you know, there's a nice wrought iron railing to the stairs that go upstairs. There are nice pictures on the wall. Of all the places that you've been so far in Milan that have felt real, this is a place that has felt real. It feels like there's still a heart here, so to speak. James feels uh, very gratified that uh, there is somewhere like that. And his, uh, his, his kind of shoulders go down a notch or two from the tension that's been in them for the last wee while. Sure. Uh, so this woman that you're standing in the foyer with introduces herself as Isabel. Oh. And she says, uh, my name is Isabel and I have been Miss Caballero's maid. She kind of chuckles in French and says, uh, uh, in charge of uh, of things here while, while she's away. Well, uh, as uh, someone who's in service myself, um, uh, you seem to be doing a marvellous job keeping the place up. Now, to the point, um, may I uh, allow my uh, companion to uh, to come into the, uh, the foyer here? She looks like behind you. W- was there someone else with you? Oh, I, I am uh, my companion, Mr. Griffith. He's... Uh, He's, uh, he's, uh, he's to be trusted. If you trust him, I do. Uh, so I'll open the, the door a crack and say, Simon, come in. Stop loitering about on the step there. What have you done to your nose? Ah, uh, it was an accident, Jim. Would you like... Oh, I'll see if I can find a handkerchief. I've already got a handkerchief <laughs> in... on it. Oh. He, he does, but... Clearly, he's a mess now. Dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. I need to get you cleaned up. The two of you come back in, and um, Isabel kind of looks a little a little concerned. She, not about your nose by any means, Simon, but more like what you're doing here looking for Katerina. She says to you, uh, Mr. Frazier, I have been waiting for her to, to come home. She arrived yesterday, and, and yet no, no word. Well... Have you seen the newspapers? Mm-hmm. She shakes her head, yes. Mm. I, I have. Let me fill you in a little bit. We, we first uh, 
met uh, the good lady uh, in in Paris, uh, where she was performing uh, Aida, which she is due to perform here, as I understand it. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you are aware, but there was an incident involving uh, her her sister. We became involved in that, and and we assisted her in in the matter. Uh, and well, we reached a, a resolution. I won't say it was a particularly satisfactory one, but it was a resolution nonetheless. And we were uh, well, we were most uh, dismayed to find uh, when we arrived here that uh, some something had befallen her. So. Of course, our first port of call was La Scala, and they pointed us in the direction of the apartment here. And I understand that she and uh, and her companions that had been travelling with her on the Orient Express uh, were due to be staying here. And you, but you're saying none of them have arrived here? None, not not one. The only visitors we have had uh, this this from yesterday and today have been um, some of her local fans. The, the ones who love her music, and then the press. Uh, two men from the press have come, and I tell you, each time they come, they say just such terrible things about her. They asked me, uh, was she so inflamed by her, her passions that um, she she took a, a, a new lover uh, upon uh, arrival here to Milan? Um, they say these things to um, to upset me. I, I know this. I know this. And what what press is this exactly? That this doesn't sound like any reasonable and, and reputable sort of uh, reporter. Uh, no, no. All, all yellow papers. All yellow papers. Yes. All um, looking for uh, the next uh, the next story. They they demean her. They always have. Uh, she's a, she's a woman of great passion, and they have always treated her as if she is a well. I, I won't use the word. Yes. But. Um, but, but that is not who she is. I know what you're driving at. It's, yes, it's, salubrious stories seem to sell newspapers, and a certain type of reporter was. There's no level they won't stoop to in order to get some sensationalist garbage on 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 print, just to inflate their own egos. Yes, she she is a woman of of great passion and passionate decisions. Um, if you if you have heard her music and you have, you say you have talked to her. Hmm. You, you know this, but you also know that her performance at La Scala means the world to her. Of course, of course. And she she would not miss it. And she would not miss practice. She's she's too well-trained and um, too determined. Tell me, was... She seems to almost... Uh, she seems to almost get in, in passion, like flame. Like, she gets, like, angry. Ah, uh, the Latin temperament. <laughs> yeah. What What's she saying, Jim? I see that you, both of you or your voices are getting raised, but my French is not so good. She's just speaking of, uh, of uh, the passion in uh, Signorina Cavallero and uh, and the uh, the press who are uh, well they seem to be m- making up stories about her. Uh, uh, what about uh, her entourage? Well, the, her entourage have not uh, arrived here. They seem to have disappeared along with her. Uh, Miss Isabel, was there nobody that went to the station to to greet them upon their arrival? Uh, uh, the driver. And and what of him? I have not seen him either. I have to, to uh, mind the house, of course, as is my due duty, so I have not been able to... I, I cannot leave and simply investigate it on my own. No, 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 of course not. Well, we, one wouldn't expect you to do any such thing. Um, is there anything else that you can tell us uh, that, that might assist us in our inquiries? We, we are going to go to the station uh, and uh, see if we can uh, find someone there, perhaps a, a porter or somebody who might have seen something. 
might be able to give us some indication as to where, where she and, and her friends have gone. I can tell you this. She may be a woman of great passions, but she would not have gotten into this. I read this story. I read their, their drivel they have written about her. She would only have gotten into a car if it had dealt with the opera. She has waited her whole life to give this performance. Her whole life. Hmm. Um, Jim. Yes. She said that bad journalism, that much she passed on to me. Does she have this article? Do we know who wrote it? That might be something we can uh, exercise. Uh, there's the yellow papers, uh, apparently. Uh, I'll I'll continue to um, translate as she speaks to me back back for Simon, yeah. so he knows what what the uh, uh, what's being said. She has a copy of the paper uh, there, not too far. She steps into the living space, just a few steps away, and, and gives you a piece of paper. It does regurgitate a lot of the newspaper article that you have already read that confirmed her disappearance, but the next couple of paragraphs go into some rather unsavory and disrespectful comments on her past life or her life before she became a star. They basically intimate that Katerina is, or at once was, some type of um, woman inflamed by great passions and had many lovers. They're very direct about it. They don't use specific words because the paper probably wouldn't be allowed to be printed in such an era like that. But what they imply, Mr. Fraser, is pretty disgusting. But this is quite outrageous. Simon is going to write down the name of the paper this appeared in and the name of the journalist at the header. He's not concerned about what happens or what they say about women because it's generally not to be believed anyway. Jim, I'm a, I have a feeling we, we might need to have a talk with this gentleman. I believe he may know something. Perhaps, perhaps, but uh, as I understand it, this is just one of many such articles. Um, what of the, uh, the the driver? How well do you know him? Oh, wow. Because it seems to me that um, Signorina Cavallero would, would, have, uh, would have left the train and headed straight for the car to be driven away by the man she knew. Yes, no, no. Uh, Anthony was there, would, would have been waiting for her there. Yes, and and uh, he his sympathies they do not lie uh, with these uh, fascists of Mussolini's boys, do they? No, 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 no. He's a good boy. Um, he would he would not. He he fought for the country. Um, if if uh, if that matters. What's his last name? I'm writing down next to the journalist's name, Anthony. And uh, uh, Cello. De Cello. He is. Uh, he has served the uh, her as her driver uh, since uh, just after the war. Well, I I I'd rather think that our next stop should be the station, the station, Mister Griffith. Uh, see if we can find anyone who's seen. Um, do we know approximately how many uh, the traveling party was? It should have been her plus two of her uh, associates. Ah, right. So there would have been three in total. So if the car. Would seat four total, which it should. Mm. That should be just enough to, to take folks away. All right. So it wasn't like half a dozen or more. But... <laughs> no. So we're looking at four missing, the three of them plus the driver, Anthony DiCello. Right. So it would seem I, I... Well, thank you very much indeed, Miss Isabel, for all the help you've given us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And, and I can assure you, that uh, as soon as we find out anything at all and we are able to get back here, we will we will let you know. 
Thank you. Thank you. She, again, um, is very forward physically, and she takes your hand, and, and she tries to wring the dishwater out of your fingers, so to speak. <laughs> She's really concerned, you can tell. Yes, yes, my dear. Yes, yes. Thank Quite you. so. Thank you. Um, my name is, is, is Mr. James Fraser, and uh, this is my associate, uh, Mr. Simon Griffith. Oh, I'm sorry about your nose. Not the first time, ma'am. Hmm. She smiles. It's the first honest smile you've gotten from her. So I'm going to shift the camera a bit there, and um, I'm going to pick up the amazing tag team of one Maggie Bellinger and Lady Elizabeth, who have just recently come back from the library as certain effects are probably wearing a bit now on, on Lady Elizabeth the both of them having absconded with some books and a fight for open information from Mussolini's fascists there who were out burning books. How dare they? Indeed. Mm. So as far as the two of you go, you're heading back to the hotel. I couldn't remember if we planned on getting a, something, to, a bite to eat. I don't believe we had any plan other than going to the library and obtaining some books. My guess plans almost always involve stopping somewhere and getting a bite to eat, but Lady Elizabeth might not know this because usually I'm snacking with Richard. <laughs> yes, it does seem that like uh, Miss Miss Bellinger would be a um, a woman of snacks. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, I feel quite famished. It, it took a lot of energy in there, stealing those books, stopping them from being burned. We didn't steal. We liberated. Oh, liberated, yes, liberated. White. Yes, you, you can't you can't handle the words deal. That's that's unacceptable. That's <laughs> not something a lady does. Correct. She would liberate. Mm. Indeed. Um, but if you're not up for uh, having a bite to eat, perhaps we could just get something back at the hotel. Well, if you see a place that doesn't look like it's full of those dreadful black shirts, and where they potentially speak English or French, considering neither of us speak much in the way of Italian. Maggie will take a look around. There's a cafe. Oh, look, there's a cafe. There's a lot of street cafes in Milan, a ton of them, actually. So this is another place that is very common in Italy would be to have restaurants and or cafes in the bottoms of of apartment blocks and then have housing or apartments on top of them. Mm -hmm. It creates that communal feeling that's probably very common throughout Europe. So you probably see a couple of those. You do see... At one or two of them, there are large collections of what we would call black shirts, men in Mussolini's uniforms who are literally doing nothing but sitting around and waiting to do something, whether they're drinking or smoking or causing problems with locals. It very much feels to you, Lady Elizabeth, like they're an infection in Milan. Sniff disapprovingly in a very English way. Well, perhaps we shouldn't be dis- discussing our goings on out in public. Perhaps it might be wiser to return to the hotel and have some sent up. We can do some planning and research for our further adventures. I don't know about you. I'd rather not have any more discussions with those ruffians. I couldn't agree more. Mm, quite. Besides, I'm sure you've... Uh, Overexerted yourself a little bit with that particular workout. You know, it's easier than you think. Is it now? 
I don't know. want to know how you came across that particular idea. <laughs> the two of you return to the hotel and are afforded all sorts of common everyday pleasantries like doors opening for you and people inquiring if you need anything or if you need direction or if you need help. Home sweet home. <laughs> it does get a bit patronizing in a way here, especially the staff. You get this feeling probably after the third man asks you if you need help or if you need direction that there's an edge to the way that they're asking. It's a little uncomfortable. I'm beginning to suspect they don't appreciate our presence. Yes, I'm beginning to feel the same way as well. I'm not sure if it's because we're foreigners or because we are educated women that they don't like. Well, it could be both, couldn't it? Quite possible. Hmm. Yes, I don't think I'll be wanting to spend much more time in Milan than we absolutely have to. So... You get some food ordered to take back up to the room. Um, so as far as the rooms go are, and I can't remember, I haven't, I can't remember if the two of you are together, if, if everybody gets separate rooms in this hotel. Now I'm sure the two of you are separate for sure. We all very much enjoy our privacy when it is needed. And Maggie has uh, secrets. Okay. The two of you order something to eat, and then you head upstairs, and the staff let you know that they will bring it up when it's prepared. Um, so as you're entering the hall there, if you could give me a spot hidden roll. Ooh. Ooh. I failed. 18. Okay, so maybe it's your um, recent uh, prescription from Paul that's getting in the way, Lady Elizabeth, but Maggie, you smell something in the hall. It smells like someone's used an awful lot of talcum powder. But it's not the same sort of smell that you would get from talcum, but it's that consistency. It's like, like a grainy dustiness is in the air. And you see that there's a very long, bindly, thin blue dust that is curling its way out of Richard's room. Um, Lady Elizabeth, do you s smell that and see that? I think there's something might be wrong. I think we need to go check on Richard. There's something coming out of his room. Oh my, they left him to his own device again, didn't they? They must have. Uh, let's, uh, I'll rush over and knock on Richard's door. Okay. There's no answer from within the space. Richard, I'm coming in, so I certainly hope you're decent. And I check the handle. It's locked. Oh, no. Does he say anything back? There's no answer. This is not a good sign. Uh, do we know if the rooms next to his are possibly joining adjoining rooms? Um, I don't believe so. I think everyone got separate rooms. Okay. Because the rooms in Milan are a little smaller than they would be in some other places. Everybody has rooms next to each other, but they're all single rooms. I don't suspect that you know how to pick a lock, do you, Lady Elizabeth? Hmm. Most certainly not. Hardly a dignified profession for a lady. Was expecting you to have some sort of skills in that sort of thing. Well, if we can't pick the lock, then we'll just have to go with brute force. Maggie will try to throw her shoulder <laughs> into the door <laughs> to see if she can 
pop it open. You know, we could always get the front desk to open the door. Hmm. I'm going to say touch tap here in this sense, because I think that Maggie is just a ball of energy. And Maggie is frantic, and right. Lady Elizabeth's energy is waning. All right, so here's what I'd like you to do. Um, I would like you to make me a strength roll. All right. And the hand of fate is going to give you advantage. <laughs> Best use of hand of fate. Yeah. Um, well, I might need that because my first roll is a 72. So we'll see what the... My strength is 35, so... Uh, my second roll is an 82, so <laughs> that'll be cowards. You slam into the door. And you expect it to give, but the only thing it does is your shoulder. Damn Italian doors. <laughs> hmm. um, and you crumple a little bit and then remember, all right, ow, ow, I'm not made to do this. While she was barreling at the door, I'm going to go off to the front desk and ask the concierge in French if he can unlock our colleague's door. I believe there's been some kind of incident or something. We're a bit concerned and the door is locked. You alert the desk. The gentleman behind the desk gives you just a momentary and then steps out from behind the desk. I'm just staring at him imperiously. I don't have time for sass. He walks past you and walks upstairs. Maggie's still... She's frantic and also is a little bit weary of looping someone else into whatever's going on in there. Out of a door down the hall, you see Paul exit his room. What's going on? Paul, something is happening in Richard's room and the door's locked and we cannot get it open. Oh, ah, he walks down there and does, of course, the thing that you think we've already done, which is he moves the handle back and forth. Yes, Paul, it's locked. I did try that. Oh, of course you did. Of course you did. He looks down through the keyhole. Oh, wow. What happened? Paul, what do you see? And I push Paul aside so that I can look in. Paul falls a bit to the side and then scrambles back up. When you look down through the keyhole, give me a spot hidden roll. Okay. I am slightly better at this, so thankfully... Thankfully. A 15 under 31. Okay, so hard success. You can see that there's an awful lot of that same sort of blue dust. You can see it on the floor in there, and it looks like there's some on the bed as well. You can see it in the air, uh, as if, um, if the professor was putting on makeup or something like that, or he was playing with some sort of talcum powder or some sort of baby powder, maybe. But that's kind of filling my field of vision, correct? I can't make out details other than that. No, you can. It doesn't completely fill your vision, um, but it is definitely a heavy accent on the space. Uh, So Paul steps back towards the door and says, Well, uh, I suppose I can knock it down. Good luck, Paul. I already tried. (laughs) Paul steps back. He judges the space a little bit. He steps in the door and you see him kind of measure his paces back and then he goes back towards the door again and then he goes back towards the wall and he will run at the door. He slams into the door and there is a wicked bend that gets put in the door 
and it flexes back and he falls down. These Italians, I tell you, they really know how to make a freaking door. He gets up. Oh, wow. They make it look so easy. Kind of rubs his shoulder. Lady Elizabeth, you come into the back into the hallway with your um with the staff member here, who's just slightly ahead of you, and you see that Paul and Maggie are um in the in the space now, trying to examine the door, and the staff member hustles up and unlocks it. He doesn't even seem to notice the powder on the floor outside of it. Thank you very much. He turns away. Ah, Paul. Oh, uh, yes. Um, the door is open. He smiles. Yes, thank you. I, I'm sure you, uh, you eased the lock. It opened much easier. Thank you very much. He looks a little sheepish. Would you mind going in first? Just in case. I would be happy to, but I have a funny feeling that Miss Bellinger's already in the room. The minute that guy turned around. So you open the door, Miss Bellinger, and what you see before you is fairly shocking. There is a trail of this blue dust that runs along the floorboards here, gets into the cracks, and is fairly thick as it continues on towards the bed. When it gets to the bed, it fans out over the sheets and then up against the wall nearby, and it is wholly and totally man-sized. The powder builds up and builds up to the point where it is a almost perfect copy of a humanoid form. And when you get in and open the door and take that first step closer, the powder falls. And when it does, there is an unmistakable screaming voice that exits from it. And that's of Professor Richard Courtney. Now you roll sanity. Can do. I was going to ask if the powder was Richard sized. <laughs> but I think we know. Well, we do. Uh, 20. Okay. So it's scary. You only lose a point of sanity over it. Those of you who... Paul, obviously, and, and Lady Elizabeth, who did not uh, enter the room first. You hear the scream, but you don't see... By the time she's reacting to it, the powder is piled and it's fallen, and so it, you don't get the man-sized image from it at all. I'll go in when I hear the scream. What on earth? There was... There was a... The, the powder, this powder was... It made the shape of Richard, and it it fell away and, and let out his scream. It was his voice coming from it. Maggie will be like frantically looking around the room to see where physical, the physical embodiment of Richard is. It's on the bed. If the powder is in the same position he was, it looks as if his form had fallen back against the bed. Mm -hmm. um, there is also a trail of it that goes into a different corner of the room. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing of him here. Maggie is probably beside herself with like fear of not knowing uh, what happened to Richard. She doesn't really know what to do at, at this point because she is so concerned that we heard his scream come from the powder. He's not here. Paul steps to the side and tries to not disturb the powder. 
but he begins looking at trace amounts of it. Like he gets to the the edge of the bed and inspects it. If you'd like, I can I can take a sample of it and maybe do a little analysis on it. Please. Well, if you take it, you have to bring it back because if it's all him and you take some of it, then part of him is gone and you have to keep all of Richard here if we're going to put him back together. Miss Bellinger. Yes? Calm yourself for a moment, please. I doubt it was the professor. Or if it was, it's a very strange way to uh, present oneself. But I don't think, if one has been turned into dust, that one can be reconstituted. But it was his scream. It let out his scream. Perhaps it's just because you were expecting Richard to be in here. Maybe he screamed from somewhere else and you thought it was coming from from them. But I'm pretty sure dust can't scream. It doesn't have a mouth. It almost certainly let it out, Lady Elizabeth, but you're right. I will steady myself and we'll we'll find Richard. Someone has taken him. Yes, I'm quite certain he just wandered off somewhere. Or maybe, uh, is the device around, actually? Because I'm going to be looking around, seeing if his device is in here. The case is right over there. Is it open? It's not It's not open, no. If I pick up the case, does it feel like the device is in it? The lashes are open. Oh. But if you pick up the case. Um, yeah, you open the box that uh, Professor Smith gave him that holds the, uh, the device, and it's empty. I tell you, he just put on his his device and, and he's been transported somewhere. Or perhaps he wandered out because he saw something interesting. You know how he is with this thing. So, if that was Richard and I pointed all the dust, where's the device? It's gone. Therefore, Richard is with the device somewhere. I don't know what this is, but it's some kind of... Maybe he had a vision about a desert or something. Who knows? How can you be certain that the Duke didn't come here and do this to Richard? We've seen him be able to do unbelievable things before, such as make himself disappear. He did this to Richard and he took the device for himself. Well, I can't be certain, now can I? But I'm attempting some of your youthful American optimism. Well, it is hard for me to have that in times such as this, but we... we... I have to find Richard. I don't even know where to begin. We will proceed under the impression that Richard is still alive somewhere. That your professor is off wandering around with the device, exploring things he should not be exploring. We will have Paul take some sort of analysis of this, whatever it is, residue, and see what we can learn from that. Maybe it can tell us where he is. But if we proceed under the assumption that it was the Duke and Richard is no longer with us, then we have nothing left to proceed with, now do we? You are correct, Lady Elizabeth, and I will I will put faith in your plan. Yes, well, that's really all we have at the moment now, isn't it? Paul comes back in with a vial and a very tiny instrument, a metal instrument. It's got a wide head to it. it scoops a little bit up puts it in the container. Now, I'll do a little uh, experimenting with this and I'll see if it correlates with anything. I'm, I admit I'm not the greatest chemist, but we'll just have to see what it can tell us, if it can tell us anything. I'm certain that if it can tell us anything, you'll be able to discover it. I have every faith in you. 
I, uh, I don't think anybody else should be in here. Certainly not. Especially, um, the staff. They're going to want to clean this up. Well, is there a thing we can hang on the door that says, no, thank you? No. <laughs> I think the best thing you might be able to do is maybe tell the staff that the room doesn't need to be cleaned, but I don't know how you're going to get around them not cleaning it. Well, we could tell them that Richard is violently ill and that is for it is for their health and safety to stay out of the room. He tucks the vial into his pocket. There's only one problem with that, Miss Ballinger, at least that I see. Yes. Um, I can tell you from a medical perspective, if a hotel finds out that someone's violently ill, they won't want them staying here. Um, well, you make a good point, Paul. I, I suppose I'm not... Uh, I'm not thinking with the best of mind right now. I'm just terribly worried about Richard. I think we all are. And I think we have every right to be worried, but... There's got to be a rational explanation, at least a little bit, or at least something that will explain how this happened. Maybe, I don't know, is it silly to think that he's been experimenting with something else? I mean, you've all been gone for several hours. I spent a lot of time recently keeping um, some of you going, and so I was taking a nap. I didn't hear. Um, I mean, I heard just normal stuff, right? Uh, people outside barking dogs, that sort of thing. I didn't hear anything else. Some sort of experiment, perhaps. It's very odd. You really should not be left alone. You know, I gotta tell you, just from um, my perspective, Lady Elizabeth, I'm not sure many of you should be. Mm. Yes, I suppose you're right. It's a good thing Mr. Griffith has Mr. Fraser with him then. And I'm sure Lady Elizabeth wouldn't mind me staying with her tonight. Paul turns around and walks out of the room. Turns heel. Yep, got something to do. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, I'm, we can discuss later after you've had a chance to calm down. Have some tea. The two of you do get your food delivered. And that process mentally greatly helps everybody ground. You have some tea. There is some food. You feel it somewhat necessary to have a lie down, Lady Elizabeth. You are also somewhat interested by some of the books that you had found. You also have that book from Lausanne that you'll probably need to do a little bit of reading on at some point in the future. The one you um, absconded with from the Liberated Library in Lausanne. We will move to the train station where... Scalpel and Fist are going to continue their investigation into the disappearance of one Katerina Cavallero in hopes of finding perhaps someone who had seen the uh, opera star arrive yesterday. So, gentlemen, the train station is much as you left it much, much earlier today. It's still fairly sleepy, um, even with trains coming in and out. It does look like it still is in need of repair. There are still a few smaller stations of groups of black shirts, two or three, that watch the train station, some on the platform, some outside of it. Uh, Mr. Fraser, you would know clearly if this sort of thing, if the takeover of the country is going to be done properly, then they're going to have to control methods of transportation, and it seems like they have this one pretty well locked down. In fact, the black shirts here almost seem a little lackadaisical about their duty. 
Are there any um, apartments, uh, houses that overlook the part of the station? I want to kind of have a look as well and see where I can see where cars would draw up to pick up passengers coming off trains and that kind of thing and, and see if there's any anywhere that kind of overlooks this that uh, we might be able to, if, if there's nobody at the station that uh, is willing to speak to us or that we can understand, um, if there's possibly um, a shop or an apartment or something that we could maybe try. This station, um, uh, Station uh, Centrale, or the central station that's here uh, for Milan is very close to a lot of warehousing districts. There's not a lot of apartments here. Oh, okay. uh, it's much more of an industrial area. In fact, Milan in general is uh, industrial uh, for Italy uh, in, mm. in its geographic sense and also in the work that's done there. Uh, so there isn't a whole lot of housing here. There are a few, probably, I would imagine, one or two smaller apartments, probably single bedroom flats, that sort of thing, uh, that are tucked in here and there. They could be for um, station workers or they could be for... Um, warehouse foremans to be close to their uh, their buildings and that sort of thing. Maybe train, direct train workers having a, a place, uh, but no um, blocks of apartments or large groups of flats uh, in this area specifically. No um, coffee shops or anything like that, no? No, not in this section. Uh, you do know that uh, the porters at the station are likely to work very similar hours, so it's possible that the men who are working inside right now are the men who always work during these hours. Yeah, maybe shift workers, presumably. Mm. So, yeah, I suppose... Simon, uh, tell me, um, what do you think is the best approach here? Um, it, it's quite likely that uh, the the porters and the like might not have any English, might not even have any French. Do you think uh, it would be wise to go and speak to someone a little high up, up the chain, perhaps a station master or somebody? Told you we should have gotten a translator. The other th- option we have, I mean, I'm just speaking from my experiences being a miner, is uh, after work, where would all these porters go? Well, one would assume they'd either go home or possibly uh, for a drink or something, uh, to a cafe or a bar or something, maybe. A pub, a bar. Where's the porter's pub or bar? Usually, you, as you know, they tend to go to the same mm. place together, right? Aye. Yes, that's that's a, that's a good idea. We'd have to wait for them to get off their shift, though. Um, and as you rightly say, we still need somebody to do some translating for us. And uh, I don't think um, young Miss Isabel would uh, would have been able to come along with us. So we're at a little bit of an impasse. I have an idea. Mike, the embassy for America is probably in Rome. Mm-hmm. Are there any attaches or anything with either Britain or here? Or could I wire... I could send a wire at least to the major, right? I mean, you could, yeah. Uh, I would say that being as uh, read in and as um, aware of the situation in Milan as you are, you would imagine that there's going to be some level of danger contacting him directly from here, given who controls the wires. Could I fire off a message to Legby? Uh, Maybe, if you know how to get a hold of him. Or to Barrington. Inspector Barrington, Scotland Yard Barrington? Correct. 
Yeah, I mean, he'd be an easier communique than, say, or at least a less dangerous one. But you would still be um, an American man in Milan contacting someone from Scotland Yard. And keep in mind that, just so you're, I mean, I know that you're aware, but keep in mind, Scotland Yard's purview as far as its ability to act on things at this point in the juncture is, is very limited. So, I mean, yeah, Barrington could probably serve as a message boy, but keep in mind, he's also a very busy inspector. And I don't know if he would, um, I don't know if he would appreciate being your message boy, if that's the intention. I'm not saying he won't do it. Okay, I think I'm going to send one to the major. And I'm going to have it read, Arrived in Milan. Stop. Hope to meet your friend soon. Stop. Would love to catch dinner. Stop. Okay. So you'll be able to send that. Train station is a perfect place to send messages from as well. Mr. Fraser, while he's sending this message, why don't you give me a spot hidden roll? Sure. Mr. Fraser's racking his brains to try and find a, uh, an alternate method of, uh, of getting the information that they're looking for. No, no, that's that, that's that's a uh, that's a fail on my spot hidden. That's a ninety six. However, I'm 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 happy to try and push that role if if it's uh, a situation where it could could be pushed. Get a feeling that I might have caught something out of the corner of my eye, and perhaps go and take a little walk and uh, see see if I can see what I've I think I might have seen. Uh, I'm not quite sure what would be appropriate in the situation. I think I would say that this is definitely visually based possibly auditory as well. Um, it's a busy train station, but just the way I think Mr. Fraser's um, methods might have him, um, it's not a lot to see in here in this station, uh, even though it's drab and the country seems to have lost its fire. I kind of tend to think that you might be the sort of person who might be looking for that spark wherever you could find it. Yeah, so um, if I've maybe thought I've caught something out of the corner of my eye, or or possibly caught, uh, heard heard a little um, sound somewhere that sounds maybe a little bit out of place, um, I'm going to, to I'll just sort of take a few steps away from uh, from Simon and where we're standing. One hand up to to my ear and try and focus, look around myself, and and, and try and focus. And see see if I can figure out where where that came from, what it was. Okay, yeah, go ahead, go right ahead and push the roll. So I'm probably standing out in the crowd a little bit doing this, and that is just a no more a success. So seventy one under my spot hidden of seventy eight. Wow, fantastic! While you're out poking around, maybe looking around and just kind of getting a, a, a better assessment of this location there's a uh, middle-aged gentleman bit of a slouch hat maybe a sparse beard that's near the uh, end of the line there and with a long and wide push broom he's making his way up and down the station and even as this station has gone to, to bits above him that the the concrete is uh, needing and desperate of repair and that uh Whatever repairs hopefully had been planned, perhaps Mussolini has just put off temporarily to do something else with the money. This man continues to sweep and clean this building as if it's the Sistine Chapel. He looked like he is a, a sort of a permanent fixture at the, the station then. If you didn't know any better, you would say that his clothes were quite simply 
the same coloration of the, the tile here. He is as permanent of a fixture, most likely, as you will get. Having known the head gardener um, at the uh, uh, Lady Elizabeth's estate, who has been there just about his whole life um, and is, you know, almost um, part of the uh, the actual the plant life that grows on the estate um, and knows everything about every single inch of the place. Uh, that kind of pricks up his interest and he thinks this might be just the fellow if by some chance he speaks either some French or some English then uh, this is exactly the sort of fellow who might be able to help me. Uh, stroll nonchalantly in the in the direction of the chap um, doing the sweeping the, the um, sweeping the platform there. Okay. Yeah, you ease your way up towards him. He's being very dutiful. He's going in very specific pathways, specific lines from back uh, to front uh, the station and he gets just about done with one of his sweeping lines and he turns um, and he just very nonchalantly tips his, his cap to you and and says, good day. You hear his Italian accent, but you hear him speak English. Oh, good day to you. He's, you speak English. Yes, yes, I've, uh, I did some travel um, and uh, it's always good when uh, people come in and out you know to uh to be able to say hello at least yes indeed indeed you must uh, you must have met some some many people from many different places in your time here i dare say all over i i see you take great pride in your work as well yeah this uh, this place must be very dear to your heart mm. he stops for just a moment and rests his hands on the broom almost as if it's a, it's a scepter of sorts it's his um I swept her during the war and uh, and after. Mm. No matter what changes may come to uh, Milan, uh, I will be here to make sure that she greets guests uh, looking properly. Mm. Indeed, she is a, a very fine station, yes. She, I'm minded of Waverly Station in, in Edinburgh. Hmm. I've not been to that one. Ah, it is in Scotland. It's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Scotland. Uh, that's my, my home country. I, uh, no, no, uh, not yet. He chuckles. Um, I have been to your, uh, Vic Vic Victoria station. Ah, London. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's England, of course. A, a very different place. Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, what, uh, what, what brings you to Milan? Oh, we are traveling on, uh, the Orient Express. Oh, oh, well. Yes. I'm sure you know her. I do. I have seen her pull in and out many times. A wondrous train. You are lucky to be uh, riding her. I am indeed. Yes, yes. It's a, a, a marvelous train, uh, full of all all the uh, the very f finest uh, decor, and uh, I'm very much enjoying my journey. We've we've traveled from uh, from London right through uh, right through France, uh, through Switzerland, and uh, well, now we find ourselves here. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, uh, are you in Milan long? Ah, uh, only a day or two. Uh, a day or two, I fear. Uh, well, I was rather hoping to get to the uh, the opera while we were here to see uh, uh, Aida. I understand uh, that's going to be uh, performed. Uh, mag magnificent. Um, the Scala is magnificent. Yes. Um, I have seen the the um, some of the uh, items they've brought in for it. Um, some amazing set pieces. Um, mm. uh, sphinxes. Um, it's simply amazing uh, renderings that they are doing there. 
Yes, well, we were lucky enough to to see the performance while we were in Paris, and uh, I, I had the the very good fortune of uh, of speaking to the uh, the soprano there, uh, uh, Signorina oh. Cavallero. Yes, yes. yes. I, I understand uh, that uh, some reading in the newspaper here. I understand that the, there's some uh, some sort of scandal uh, uh, around uh, her after her arrival here. You see him furrow his brow. Some of the papers have said some very despicable things about her. Oh, they, I have, I have seen those. And uh, frankly, between you and me, sir, uh, my name is, uh, is is James, by the way. Uh, yes, uh, Leonardo. He, he reaches out. Leonardo. Ah, like the great artist. <laughs> well, mine is but a station, but I uh, try to put a, a good face on her as I can. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, yes, well, uh, yes, as I say. Uh, I was quite disgusted by some of the things those papers say about her. That's not what I saw. Well, not at all. You were here when they arrived? Oh, I was, yes. Yes, well, I have to keep her face clean and uh, prepared for her guests, of course. So, yes, I saw Madame Caviaro make her way off the Orient Express, and with her uh, assistance, her entourage, she uh, walked outside and got into an auto. Oh, and, and just... Her, her auto with a, a chauffeur or something of the like? There were two cars uh, at the time. Um, I think her uh, her normal, um, I think what, he seems to tap his fingers back and forth together. Uh, Anthony, yes. Her man, Anthony, um, arrived. But there was another car here. She did not get into the car with Anthony. No, no. Uh, her and her two uh, staff members or servants, they got into this other car, the man who called her over. They seemed to know each other, I think. Um, at least they had a brief conversation and then took her luggage and and put it in this uh, this car and they drove off. Oh. And then when he looks around a little bit, he leans forward to you. I kind of le- lean in a little bit. When Anthony showed uh, to pick her up, he came into the station. He was very worried because he was slightly late. And uh, when he could not find uh, Miss Caviero, um, of course, the staff at the Orient Express station had said that she had already gone. He went back outside and was troubled by several black shirts. I did not see what they did because I have, of course, my own duties here. My understanding is that there was a very fierce argument between them. They have tried many times to recruit Anthony with no success. You think they took him up? Mm, I do. Oh. He's already been jailed twice for speaking out against them. Oh, we have had uh, occasion. I, I, I don't know what your feelings are, sir, but um, I have no love for these black shirts myself. Uh, they, they have, uh, they have very underhand methods, strong arm tactics, and the like that I do not, uh, I do not agree with in the slightest. Italy is strong enough; it does not need another Caesar. <laughs> ah, yes, 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 indeed. That's very well put, sir. Very well put. What, what of this man that uh, Miss Cavallero and, uh, and her uh, companions uh, went away with? What, what sort of a fellow was he? He wasn't one of them, was he? No, no, no. Um, all I know is there was... Um, he had a, a... He was one of us. He was Milanese, as far as I know. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know his name. We were at distance, you understand. He points to the station far over where you could see them out the the main station uh, entrance and exits i i saw them out there but i was so far away i couldn't tell you who exactly who it was um, but i i do know that he drove an alfa romeo 
Oh, that's a very fine car, an Alfa Romeo. Uh, yes. And it was just the one fellow that that, that was uh, was with them there. Hmm. Indeed. I see. The three of them got in their car and then they drove away. And soon after, Anthony came in, excited and concerned for. Um, of course. Uh, for her, and and then, I don't know what happened to him either after that. So this uh, this fellow, Alfa Romeo, he must have been a, a, a wealthy man, I would imagine, to have, uh, have such a car. It's possible. Well, uh, I must say, uh, that's uh, that's all very uh, very suspicious sounding. I must, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, she and her two companions have, uh, have been taken away by... Well, I, I presume that it, it was somebody they knew. They, they didn't act like they were any un, under any duress, did they? No, 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 no. She went to the car without skipping a beat. It must be someone they know. Indeed, indeed. Well, I wonder what's become of her. I, I, I hope she's come to no harm. I would hope so, too. Perhaps they're just headed off into the country, but uh, I, I think it's uh, very unusual that she wouldn't have at least called into uh, to La Scala for her rehearsals, for her performance. He stands up a little straighter. Has she not? Well, so I gather... Hmm, that's troubling. Uh, everyone here in Milan knows her work ethic. Everyone here knows uh, how much uh, this means to her. I mean, anyone who pays attention to to the opera, which <laughs> he kind of looks around, is most of us. Ah, indeed, yes, yes, I understand. The, op- the opera and the arts are uh, very dear to your hearts here. It is. It is a matter which uh, we take great pride in, at least... Most of us do. Well, Leonardo, I, I, I must say it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to, to speak with you today. I, I think I see uh, my uh, my travelling companion, my friend over over there, uh, mm. exiting the telegraph office. Uh, um, I, I'd better catch up with him, but uh, thank you. Thank you once again. Um, yeah. If I may make a suggestion. Um, yes, sir. I wouldn't normally, but because... It, the potential for the corruption is so great for you to come next to, but you might, if, if you have um, some standing socially, you might be able to speak with the police about the matter. I did consider, I did consider that, yes, uh, if we could perhaps go, where, where would he be uh, likely to be held, uh, Mr. Anthony? Mm-hmm. He would likely be uh, taken to um, the nearby station. He points down and names the street that it's on. Very well. It's actually not too far from the center of town. He'd be taken there. You might be able to uh, get in touch with him and perhaps get more details as to uh, who she left with. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, I, I have uh, I have contacts who have contacts, so perhaps that will stand me in good stead if I uh, if I go there. Uh, th- thank you once again. Um, yes, yes, indeed. I think I think I may well pay a little visit to the police station. Very <laughs> mm, well. Um, so yes, I'll um, I'll head off um, down the platform towards the uh, the entrance to the station, and uh, presumably I'll see um, Simon mm-hmm. coming out of the telegraph office there, and I'll just kind of hail him and, and head over towards him. Ah, how did you get on, Mister Griffith? Uh, send a message off to our friend, and uh, how about you? Well, I I, uh, I was very fortunate. In fact, I uh, I spoke to. Uh, one of the staff here at the station who was uh, who was here uh, when uh, uh, Signorina Cavallero uh, arrived with with her companions and uh, he was telling me that they they got into uh, an Alfa Romeo 
very fine car with uh, a gentleman they evidently knew. Um, Anthony, the the chauffeur, was a, a little late in his arrival, and he, he was uh, most concerned uh, about what had happened, um, made something of a fuss about it, and was taken off by the black shirts. Uh, we believe he is uh, in the police station, uh, just a few blocks away from here, even now. Well, I think we may have found our interpreter. Aye, well, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that he'd be at liberty to, to trail around the, the city with us. Uh, he has a job to do here, but uh, I'm sure they speak English at the police station, and uh, no doubt a, a man mm-hmm. of, uh, of your persuasive uh, powers would be able to uh, um, convince them that uh, we could at least speak to Anthony, if not release him. That's not it. I think our interpreter is going to be Mr. Anthony DiCello. Oh, well, assuming he speaks English, indeed, possibly. I'm sure he probably speaks French, if nothing else. And, of course, I'm completely fluent in French. Well, shall we uh, Shall we take a little trip to the police station and see what's to be seen? Now, I just have one idea. If we may want to make a stop or not, you tell me. But um, I understand that some of the police here may be more uh, interested in helping us if we uh, grease their palms. Oh, I have no doubt that bribery speaks louder than words. Do you have enough on you, or do we need to swing by a suitcase? Well, let me just uh, check my wallet here. Um, um I have a, a, a few lira here, but perhaps... Uh, Perhaps we might uh, stop off at the hotel, inform uh, Miss Ballinger and Lady Elizabeth, uh, and of course Professor Courtney of uh, um, our intentions. Uh, perhaps pick up a pick up a few more uh, a few more notes while we're there. That might be an idea. Plus, if we run into trouble with said uh, police, at least they'll know where we are. Precisely. That sounds like a wonderful place to end. So thank you so much for joining us for the episode of Horror on the Orient Express. And we will promise to put the blue powder away at some point, but clearly not yet. Uh, And so, again, thank you for your listening ears. We look forward to entertaining you again next week.